0: you're listening to the Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast. Here are a few messages from the forum before we start the show. Check out our next Diversity Insights digital presentation, Racially Equitable and Responsive Recovery. This online digital presentation will be held on June 16th and led by Tawana Black, founder and chief executive officer for the Center for Economic Inclusion. Learn more at forumworkplaceinclusion.org. Donate to the forum we get to engage people, advance ideas, and ignite change because of the generous support from our community. If you find our resources meaningful or valuable, please consider supporting the forum today. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org donate. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org donate. Thank you very much for your support and generosity. With that, I'd like to say thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. You help support the growth of the podcast and reach new listeners. If you like what you're hearing on the forum podcast, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've already written a review, thank you. Please consider sharing our podcast with a friend, family member, or a colleague you think might find value in the content. Word of mouth is the best way the forum grows, so thank you very much for listening and sharing. Thanks again, and enjoy the show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's special podcast. I'm Ben Rue, Program Coordinator here at the Forum on Workplace Inclusion. I'm pleased to have you here for today's podcast. Workplace 2020, an intersection of diversity and politics in the midst of the pandemic continued, with presenters Maylee Watts-Witten of Engage Between and Tatiana Fernemeister of Connecting Differences. I say continued because this, is, this podcast is a follow-up of our recent webinar presented by May Lee and Tatiana entitled Workplace 2020, an intersection of diversity and politics in the midst of the pandemic. As you can imagine, there were so many great questions and comments that we weren't able to address. So we invited May Lee and Tatiana back to continue the conversation and answer some of the questions we weren't able to get to during the webinar. And they were so gracious to agree to come back. So thank you both for being here. Again, thank you all for joining us and listening and I hope you enjoy this experience and find this information helpful in your work and join us for future podcasts. So let's jump right in. Meili, Tatiana, how are we doing today?
2: Well, Um, and thanks for having us back.
1: Of course, thank you.
2: Thank you. It's very exciting (laughs) to be able to continue the conversation.
1: Yes, and there were so, so many great conversations started, and so we're really excited, um, and great questions that went, that we were, are excited to be able to answer today and just so continue ben, the conversation.
3: You're in Minneapolis. I am. It's Diana, yes. you're in my hometown, Chicago, and I'm in San Antonio in Texas. I suggest we start with Minneapolis. Yeah, There is a... Um, there's something on the minds and the hearts of a lot of people right now that uh, came out of Minneapolis and is reflective of not just that one place and there's one of uh, the comments that we got from a participant called Jeff Sands last week in our webinar which yes please do watch Uh, you know maybe was foreboding uh, when it came to that um, but it's certainly again not a one-off incident so Jeff Sands out of Minneapolis said Uh, In the context of our workshop last week, our webinar, rather, one of the issues, this is a quote from him, one of the issues that arise in our anti-racist community of practice in Minneapolis has been people associating white supremacy with cruelty and not systemic realities. Um, I want to start with that because it's timely, because it's related, and because it's resonating with so many people just now. Uh, Tatiana talked about this idea of human systems before this podcast with you, Ben. And I was saying, you know, I don't know about using these words, cruelty and mental illness when it comes to incidents like this, um, then this case resulted most directly in the death of George Floyd. I think that it's human choices that bring us here and that there's this this, uh, spectrum of choices that we make, whether it be in the streets or in our workplaces that get us to where we are. Yeah, and Tatiana reminded me, this is, this is not just, again, human choices, this is systemic practices. And I think that both are very related uh, to this particular conversation as well when it comes to workplaces and the intersection of diversity and politics. I, how's that for a juicy beginning?
1: <laughs> I guess I'm just jumping right in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think that in conversations that we have, Um, it's important to embrace the complexity of it. It's not either we are cruel or we have a system that uh, supports racism. We have a system that in many ways perpetuates racism and within this system we have people who show up with cruelty and we have people who show up with a great degree of compassion for other human beings. So there is the intersection of the system and human uh, reality. And I think that one of the things that this being in the midst of pandemic that we need to recognize If nothing else, it really pushes us to see, recognize, not turn our back to human reality of every moment. What is the human reality of a black man dying under the knee of a white man? What is the human reality of that white man who can't be in this position with his knee on the other person's neck for seven minutes? With his hands in his pocket. What is the human reality of a young girl who is filming it and those who are standing around and witnessing and feeling unable to help and the whole city in which it is happening and the whole nation in which it is happening it goes in waves and waves from there and what are our human realities of all of that Um, and as we talked in our webinar a lot about being triggered and what that means when we are triggered when we are activated when our buttons are being pushed it's hard to even imagine how many buttons are being pushed right now for uh, all kinds of people and what choices do people make when these buttons are being pushed yeah what do we do yeah um go ahead (laughs)
3: oh
1: no please please mainly go
3: ahead one of the Participants in our webinar, Mercedes wrote to me separately. Uh, we've been having a conversation since last week, and she said that you know she struggles sometimes with maintaining her professional side when it comes to, and I'll just paraphrase here, being activated. Right? I will certainly say that I am activated <laughs> um, by this particular event that happened out of out of Minneapolis with Mr. Floyd. Um, and uh, that you might have heard that in my tone when i mentioned that the man whose knee was on floyd's neck uh, had his hands in his pocket during that time right so um, i would suggest let's not have our hands in our pockets as these realities as these human realities are happening and we learn more about them in this time of coronavirus right um even the word trigger is <laughs> something <laughs> that we've talked about uh, and I know that you have some comments out of the, the chat box, Ben, um, regarding what was and wasn't said, how it was said, et cetera.
1: Yeah, like I, well, I was going to say one of the more triggering <laughs> parts of the webinar was when we um, asked the question about uh, reactions to uh, we are all in this together, um, what gets triggered or what part of a person gets triggered and um, serp, um or activated and, you know, uh, because of uh, the restrictions on Zoom, we could only have so many options. And unfortunately, some people's um, identities or their triggers were not included. Um, And it was not intentional by any means, not in any way, shape or form, but it did um, trigger or activate people. Um, around that and I mean there were there were comments about uh, marital status as a trigger for me as I have been single for over eight years it's not and that was one that wasn't included um, there was uh, uh, a this I, is not I,
3: you Ben this is a participant speaking
1: yes oh yeah yeah See, I'm sorry that part of that no 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 I have not been single for eight years um, that is an uh, that's from an anonymous attendee um, who, for obvious reasons, didn't want to give their name. Uh, but yeah, that, that I mean, marital status was one that came up quite often. Um, there were uh, there was some about uh, one that also came up with age. Um, people, uh, you know, that people whose age or ageism is their trigger um, felt um. triggered uh, by the fact that it wasn't included. Um, and well, uh, and, and and sexuality, which falls again, I well, not it's not the same as marital status, but it you know, it's um, similar. But yes, uh, sexuality was one that you know that was brought up in the comments. Um, uh, so yeah. living alone, like so, actually, that's closer to marital status or relationship status.
2: Uh, yeah, you but. know, here here are a couple of things that I think it's important for us to. Uh, kind of distinguish in in this experience one is that we asked people to identify what parts of their identities are triggered when they hear we are all in it together and we had everything from some people not being triggered by it at all to people being triggered by multiple things and having needing even more space in in the chat box to to acknowledge that. Uh, So that's the reality of what we're dealing with. We are, none of us is a person of just one identity. We manage multiple identities and multiple realities and at any given moment, which part of me is activated and is reacting to, and the, which part doesn't care, you know, can be can be very uh, very different. So that is one piece. But the other piece, since uh, this webinar was done for people who do work in, uh, in the field of diversity, uh, and podcast goes to uh, people who are interested in this work, we need to be very aware of the fact that when we bring up these hot buttons topics and ask questions, uh, that even the process itself of what question I ask and what I don't ask, what option do I offer as, as a possibility and what option is not there, it by itself generates a reaction, which is perfectly fine, as long as we know that these reactions need to be accounted for and addressed and turned into a teachable moment and into a conversation of what does it mean for you when there is a checklist and you are not on it? Yeah? Mm. And how does that correspond with other hot button moments of your uh, uh, reality?
3: And I'd add that teachable moments aren't necessarily from person A to person B, but that it can be, there's a mutuality there, right? Uh, it's not one person's responsibility necessarily to educate the other. Huh? um so yeah very much agreed that it's about making meaning of that moment right conflict will always happen conflict is simply a difference of opinion right yes it can be escalated de-escalated there's a spectrum etc but through conflict uh, I believe my religion teaches uh, truth emerges yes so and, and, you know, uh, one of the things that I don't know that we had a chance to share uh, last week was a nice model about how we need conflict. <laughs> we need trust in order to engage conflict successfully in order to resolve uh, some to, to, to come to some resolutions. Um, one very small example related to, you know, who is or isn't named. Um, I'll give from this morning. yeah. I had a conversation with a man a trans man who provided some feedback in um, an online forum that i was facilitating a a few weeks ago and from this feedback which was critical feedback hey you said this or you didn't say this and it related to my trans identity and and uh, he used the word triggered right and and trauma and you know this this came together for him in that moment when I said or didn't say what I said. Yeah, I won't get into those details. The point is we came to a place where we had a conversation, a knowledge share, right? You know, hey, what can I learn and share with you about diversity, equity, inclusion? What can you learn and share with me about your experience as a trans man and how this program that we're working on and others can be more inclusive. And I was taking some notes and at the end of it came to him and say, hey, you know, I don't see trans anywhere in here. <laughs> I don't see like, you know, for me as a trans man, I need you to do or say this. I see you're talking about messages about inclusion. Yeah, and how those messages and that messaging has clearly been communicated by this program that we're working in. And you're talking also about um, how it's a priority to the program, right? And it's demonstrated through XYZ, right? I think that that we already had love in the love bank, so to speak, with this program, right? Because of what this person came in knowing. We already had trust with this person, enough that he was able, and this is what he said, to come to us and share this feedback, right? And something great came of it, yeah? We will make some revisions going forward, and now I know some more, and he knows some more, and you know, we walk off into the sunset together. Yes, it's not always like this, <laughs> but the point is we won't always mention all the things yeah um but if we build that trust before we need it right we can come together in a conversation that makes meaning of the moment
2: and one one of the things that also generated a good amount of questions and we uh probably will be looking at them now uh, is this whole idea of intent versus impact yeah? here is our intent to ask people how do they experience the question we are all in it together uh, here is the form in which we are putting it out yeah we form is always limited you can only do what you can do the only 10 questions or only three hours or only, <laughs> uh, you know, 10 books. That, you you know, there's like, There is always something that uh, doesn't necessarily allow for everything that you would like to. But here is, here is the intent. Uh, impact, the fact that there is an impact, allows us to learn more about each other yeah allows us to engage in conversation so it's about how do I walk through my life with my wonderful uh, intentions and never making any uh, uncomfortable impact on anybody this is not happening this is not possible because my intent is my intent the impact comes from the, uh, the other person's reality so it's much more about what do we do with it? How do we stay mindful and aware of the fact that impact is happening all the time? And that our work in diversity is about the space between intent and impact.
1: Well, that was a perfect lead in to my first question. Who's, who's Guiding this interview, me or you? <laughs> <laughs> that was beautifully said. And yeah, like I said it like perfectly into the, our first question, which comes from um, Mercedes as um, a recent friend of May <laughs> um Her question is, in cultural training, we recommend that people give others the benefit of the doubt when interpreting others' behavior. Yet in D&I, we tend to want to challenge or educate when statements are made that we don't agree with, especially in politics. How do you reconcile these two different approaches?
3: Is this a false dichotomy? (laughs) Question mark.
1: Mercedes
3: Mercedes and I have connected via via LinkedIn since uh, since the webinar last week and exchanged some comments. And I appreciate this. Uh, Thank you, Mercedes. For me personally and professionally, um, I, I don't see this big distinction between the DEI world and the intercultural world. Yeah, I think there's some privilege around making a distinction between them as well. Yeah and um as a um a black shall i leave with black (laughs) as a woman who is a millennial-ish and um presents younger than i am and is black uh and came into this field you know at pretty much the start of my career i've experienced a lot of the same isms uh in both of the fields right that we seek to interrupt yeah so from that from my perspective personally and professionally in these fields i've worked you know stateside dei and globally intercultural communication um i've experienced a lot of the same and and quite honestly i've i've received a lot more reception outside the states (laughs) um in just my professional relationships than I have sometimes inside the states, yeah? There are some other reasons why I think there's not this great divide. I know Tatiana has something to say on this, but
2: uh, yeah, let's hear you. Uh, Let me share with you something that I experienced this morning, just a few hours before we got together to um, record this podcast. Uh, My colleague and I have been working on a very interesting project. So she's a white woman, I'm a white woman. And we are working with two uh, African men, a man who came here from Africa a few years ago and they both, uh, they both got political asylum here. So it's two, two men and also a white American woman who is a volunteer in the program so we are preparing three of them uh, to work with the group of asylum seekers, providing uh, kind of um, group support, doing it uh, in Zoom format, doing it at the time of pandemic and focusing on helping people manage stress and use a kind of uh, methodology of personal leadership to do that. This morning, as we're talking about what's on our mind, what's happening, uh, I was the one who brought in the word racism, that we are experiencing this moment of racism showing up big time. And an interesting thing happened. These two absolutely wonderful men, who've been having all kinds of very trusting conversations with us for the very first time talked about actually reality of being Black in America. They had no difficulty talking about being African and talking about the cultures of their country and traditions and how people communicate differently and how all sorts of other things happen differently. So the cultural layer was easier to bring in than the layer of being black in the world where there is uh, more white people and more power in the hands of white people and all of that. So even in the space of trust, n- not knowing can I or can I not talk to these white women about the struggle of being a black man in this uh, country uh, was very, very telling for me today. Yeah? Uh, so what it's easier to give each other benefit of a doubt, That I, as a person who grew up in Russia, don't understand something that you, as people who grew up in America, understand, and the other way around. It's easier to forgive otherness of that kind than uh, and forgive in quotation marks. Yeah, okay, he's from there, she's from there, okay, I can deal with that. But when it is all right here, when we are in it together so to speak and we are having these very different experiences of being in it together yeah um, that is uh i think a very real life uh answer to why it is still a different work and why it is a different level of being triggered in doing this work, uh, what gets to us closer, what pushes our buttons mm. uh, as people and also as professionals in this work can be different in whether we are focusing interculturally or classic domestic diversity. When indeed it's you know, our mutual friend and mentor Tom Kachman says it's not about right and wrong, it's about right and left. Yeah, so how do we bring this right hand and left hand together in our in our field? We have another
3: mutual colleague who I won't name, but had a conversation with um, somewhere in the States. <laughs> uh, we were talking about this intersection, or lack thereof, about intercultural and diversity spaces. Hmm? And this person comes from outside of the United States and presents as white inside the United States, just as you do, Tatiana, right? Mm -hmm. By the way, side note, interesting that, you know, I wonder if these two men who are African are perceiving you as a white woman in this work? Are they perceiving you, because we're in the States, are they perceiving you as a woman who uh, immigrated to the United States as well? Yeah, and, you know, isn't white in the classic U.S traditional sense if you will, right? So those are questions as well. Huh? Anywho,
2: okay.
3: this colleague that we shared, we were talking and, and he said, you know, it's interesting, I can come into the States and I, and I was, he was brought aside uh, at one of his entries into the States uh, for this particular conference that we were at. And um, he said, you know, I present as white and after a couple hours of being detained by who is, whoever it is that does the thing at the airport, I said, you know what, you have nothing to hold me, yeah? Um, And uh, I will be leaving now. (laughs) And he recognized that coming in for this intercultural conference in the United States, he could as a white presenting man say that when there were some other people that were also detained along with him that were brown and that did not speak English as strongly, yeah? And that did not have the leverage to say that, right? I just think, yeah, maybe philosophically, maybe theoretically, these, these, this DEI and this intercultural are quite separate, quite separate um, because we, we choose to make them so, but we do make a lot of privileged choices, yeah, um, or can't make a lot of privileged choices um, because of who we are in either space. That holds true.
2: Absolutely, and that means that any culture that we are looking at and any culture that we are focusing uh, on in our work, we need to be able to see, understand, and work with how power and privilege play out in that space and between different cultural uh, spaces, as well as when we work with issues of diversity, we need to bring classic cross-cultural pieces there. How do we communicate? How do we engage with each other? How do we um, kind of create this impact <laughs> that is different from our intent because of all kinds of cultural differences, realities of our backgrounds and ways in which we engage, yeah? Right. So, so it definitely mutually informing
3: let's give some challenge to people right mutual challenge i love to introduce challenge in workshops i smile big when i say it because my mama taught me that i can say almost anything when i smile and so far (laughs) works and let's also get some benefit of the doubt and tell people how they can continue to earn our trust when they didn't intend it but it impacted them nonetheless I know we have more questions. that.
1: I, I was gonna say this is a great discussion, um, and uh, hate yeah, hate to cut it shut, but we you know we've got more questions to get to. Um, but but speaking of challenges and challenging situations, uh, our, our next our first question or next question is from an an anonymous attendee. Uh, do you have guidance around how to navigate the political challenges around intolerance and being intolerant of intolerance? Can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there is a number of questions that we have there that can all be summarized into this one question. That was a when summarization people, of two of them. <laughs> yeah, when people are talking about how do I deal with my own reality, yeah? It's one thing to have, again, a good intention, I will engage with everybody, I will be open to, to differences. But then there are things that push our buttons so strongly that uh, we be kind of become reactive. And in a sense, a lot of work that Meili and I are doing with this idea of diversity hard buttons is about know your own buttons. Yeah? If you need to tolerate something that is not normally tolerable for you If you need to tolerate it because it is a person in your family or a co-worker with whom you have to continue working or uh, you know somebody in your mm, uh, training when you come in as a a diversity professional you know how do you deal with uh, things that you identify as uh, intolerable And I think we need to uh, absolutely draw some lines there. It's not about let's take a breath and tolerate everything. Uh, But it is about let's know the difference. Let's know the difference between a, a person who is toxic, who is intentionally toxic, who is not interested in engaging, who is operating as a radio, you cannot have a conversation with the radio, yeah. Versus somebody who is willing to be in talking, listening kind of mode. Somebody who is willing to kind of take a breath and hear you out after you take a breath and hear them out. Yeah. So there are all kinds of uh, differences there. But most importantly, we need to keep doing our own work. I need to know what gets me going. I need to know how to manage my own moment when I am about to fall apart. Here, yeah.
3: Yes, and think about managing that moment before the moment comes, huh? Um, so you know, again, one of the lessons learned that we share out from Tadana and my work is to build trust before you need that trust right also think about to yourself <laughs> how, what you need out of a moment that might arise like this right there's another participant rika who asked what do you do when people ask about election politics in the workplace when they bring this up well you know um, this is a hot topic right now, right? Not so far off that it might come up. Give some conscious thought, give some intentional thought to whether or not you're open to a conversation like this or with whom or not, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, before, before it comes up. Give some thought to that. Uh, one anecdote that I think relates. Really, stop me if it doesn't, eh? Is, uh, is something that happened the day after we had our webinar last week, right? And Tatiana texted me, and she's like, look at this. And I was like, mm-hmm, wow. So it was Joe Biden, candidate Joe Biden, uh, US presidential candidate, who was on the line. Speaking of
2: politics. <laughs> What's that? Speaking of politics.
3: Speaking of politics. <laughs> now, this is Joe Biden's workplace, right? And the workplace of the man who was interviewing him. What is the, the it's, a, it's a New the York- The
1: club, I believe. It's the breakfast club. Are you referring to the radio interview? With charlemagne the god
3: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes yes and it we there was video available as well and so i heard that there was something that that uh the presidential candidate said that wasn't too well received and and i was looking i was looking in the video i just i didn't want to watch the whole segment i was looking at the video and and progressing the little time stamp along And looking at the face of the interviewer, I expected that after he heard the words that came out of uh, Biden's mouth, that he would be shocked, that he would say something. And I couldn't find it that way. I had to actually go through the whole video because I didn't see a reaction on the face, right? I didn't see a paused moment, right? So uh, work with me here as I'm moving towards it. There could have been, and and by no means do I mean to criticize the the interviewer. Hmm? There could have been, with either of them, a moment of pause after Biden said, and this is referring to the comment about being intolerant of intolerance, after Biden said, if you're having an issue deciding between, I'm paraphrasing here, between me and and President Trump, well, then you ain't Black biting words. <laughs> now, there was there is a certain intolerance communicated <laughs> in Biden's statement, right? And they again are both in their workplace and we're talking about election politics here so I'm trying to bring all these questions <laughs> that we got <laughs> from our participants. Um, how do we engage with that? Again, maybe we thought about it before we bring that in. Um, in this case, you know, the interview started with uh, with Biden saying that you know the interviewer didn't know him well, and the interviewer saying, there you're right. you know I, I've had some critiques of you, right in the past. So there wasn't necessarily that trust or that love and the love bank to start, right? Um, and that may be your case in the workplace, right? But to give it a pause and maybe even repeat what was said, tell me more about that might be a next question. to let it resonate. There was no moment of pause. And again, not criticizing the interviewer. I myself have done these things many times where I just go to the next thing, just keep on beat, right? Because I wasn't expecting that. Maybe there was limited time they had to wrap up the interview and get to the next comment. Maybe he already had something in his head that he wanted to say, but what more have, could have been made of that moment for each of them? If they had stopped, if, if what was said had been repeated, right? If it had, if it had been, asked about from a position of benefit of the doubt, or even kind of challenged a little bit. What? <laughs> what? Let me make sure I understand what you just said. I heard the words coming out of your mouth. Let's talk about what they mean.
2: Here is, here is the thing though. It was and will be, and you and I will be bringing it into our workshops because it's just such a beautiful moment in terms of learning speechable moment. Uh, It was this classic intent and impact. And because it was not a conversation of two people but it was on the radio, the impact definitely multiplies. But the challenge of intent and impact is that it's not an immediate thing. It's not like you dropped you know some hot water on my hand and I immediately feel it you know sometimes the wave goes through me my emotions have to connect to my head and my body has to kind of adjust because it just went into this uh, spasm almost yeah the physical reaction to all of that has to be realigned before I can say oh wait a minute something just happened right yeah. And mm-hmm. when the person is there interviewing, he is multifocusing, you know, he is not there just for him. He needs to keep conversation going. It's for, mm-hmm. for his listeners. You know, it's yeah. the delay is 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 there. So in the workplace, I can say something to you in the meeting and go about my life, and you can come back to me three days later and say, Tatiana, wait a minute, you said this thing and it's not sitting well with me. Why can't you come to me? Because we established this trust. You can come to me, I can come to you if it has never been established, if we don't do the work of dealing with each other and dealing with uncomfortable moments and figuring them out, if we are not developing skills for that, we end up bringing diversity work into a workplace as a fire extinguisher. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, this yeah.
3: is true, I must say. And you know what? I, I grapple with how much I need to be involved in this work because it pains my heart sometimes, you know? Um, and I know that I have gotten better at being present in these moments right? When something has happened and we don't necessarily know how to define it. When I first started my career in this work, a supervisor made an analogy where I was a monkey doing and saying, yeah, you want, yeah. (laughs) And, and and I'm in that moment. um, And again, I'm working in my field. Hmm? I'm in that moment. And I'm thinking, wait a second, did I miss something? Wait, what just, what was said?" where am I working? What's the relationship here? It took me a day or two to come back and say, okay, now here's what I heard and here's how I interpreted that. Let's have a conversation about that. Yeah. It's taken me less time over time to recognize something in the moment and even suggest to people, look, if you don't know what to say in the moment, just acknowledge that there is something there. Yeah. Um, Even acknowledging, like to, to train people's senses to the fact that something has happened everyone doesn't know they're not conscious of it right but to you know to look around <laughs> and see it, to ask for a moment of pause in the conversation right these are things that we can do I think that you have to be you have to want to be practiced at it and you have to remind yourself of these things yes Tatiana I agreed with what you have said especially when someone is the target of a comment like that is that is that is triggering that it that is activating, um, but to, to the extent that we can take and it doesn't have to be the two people <laughs> in that act- interaction, take a take a moment to acknowledge something just happened, the weather just changed, yeah. Can we just take a moment to think about what that is? And that can happen on a virtual meeting, that can happen in a face to face meeting that can happen to interrupt the flow of an email chain, right? You just decide to do it.
2: And there is a smart saying that I love that comes to my mind quite often and goes something like this. Um, In the moment of crisis, we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Yeah. Are we practicing? identifying these moments or not? Are we practicing having conversations with each other about difficult issues or not? Are we practicing being curious and inquisitive about somebody else's different position on anything? We don't have to start with politics. Let's start with something that is easier to talk about. (laughs) But we need to keep this practicing uh, so that when it gets to uncomfortable moment, when it gets to uh, challenge, we already developed some muscles of being able to engage uh, Mm -hmm. with it. And one practical suggestions, for example, about politics, like if somebody has really, really, really different position from you ask them why do they care what specifically do they care about what is important for them personally in their position and how it affects their life yeah from there you can have human to human conversation otherwise we can just barking headlines at each other yeah
1: Yeah? i was gonna say um one of the uh, mainly well, we are running late, short on time, but your anecdote reminded me of something that actually happened to me at our Forum on Workplace Inclusion conference. Um, for those of you who haven't seen me, I am a black man. However, I don't really sound like what a stereotypical black man sounds like. So, when I, in my role, I spend a lot of time interacting with our presenters either via email or by phone. And one of our, a couple of years ago, I think it was my first conference, but I met one of the presenters in person for the first time, and the very first thing she said to me was that she was surprised that I was black. she thought I would be a white guy from Canada, and this was a presenter at a conference on diversity equity and inclusion in the workplace, but it was one of those things where it was just like. Even in my busyness, I just like had to stop and take a second and be like, wait, did this just happen? And then just be like, I'm sorry, I, I gotta go. <laughs> but, so there was a definitely a teachable moment there, but it was de- like, I mean, it, yeah, that when your anecdote about the, yes, it just reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, it, it was one, it was definitely one of those moments where it could have mm-hmm. Could have taken a minute, to you know, analyze that. Um, and and my training obviously was just to be like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go over here <laughs> instead of addressing this right now.
3: Was, was I, there any part that this person realized that something changed in the moment? Was there uh, a sense this part that that this person caught what had happened?
1: No, I don't think so. I'm 100% sure she didn't. And I, again, I was in such a hurry that I just kind of skedaddled because I was like, this is very uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm actually very busy. So I'm just going to go over here. But mm-hmm. did you really just say that? Um, it was yeah. it was, a, it was a moment. Um,
2: but and, and, and there's a teachable moment. <laughs> <laughs> Saying to somebody, huh? That's an interesting assumption. Yeah. Hey, Tell me more about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, she clearly, uh, I couldn't tell she was joking or serious. It was very strange.
2: <laughs> you know, because sometimes, sometimes, in this moment of great discomfort, if we turn it into, okay, it's like before I really <laughs> jump, jump ship, tell me tell me a little more about it and how did you conclude that yeah Um, it provides the space in which something can happen or not we don't know we don't know but sometimes these moments lead to actually uh, deepening an understanding and deepening the trust yeah however if you have moments like this once in a while, you are more willing to turn them into something. When you have different moments once in a while, but moments like this happening a lot, <laughs> then <laughs> why why again? You know, I think we have out of our comments here, uh, we have, oh, I just managed to uh, kind of close it on. Me. I think it is a comment from um, Why are you writing uh, will, from William, okay. who says, It's unfortunate, sad, and perhaps even tragic that we need to continually find language and behavior to accommodate the fragile feelings of so many folks who basically don't get it, don't really want to get it, and uh, for the most part, never will get it. Mm. And because it sometimes is so tiring, the question to also ask ourselves, do we te- end up dismissing some people who maybe would have moved from this hopeless category <laughs> into something completely different or not? And also how much energy do I have to keep doing it? And how mm-hmm. much willingness do I have? Because I'm a human being and this moment I am willing, and next moment yeah. I am not. And I and I am allowed to be just human doing the hard work and not a working machine uh, in the field of diversity. I'm doing that game where I'm trying to get in on the- double Yeah, t- double touch. <laughs>
3: Tatiana no and chance. I have conversation, yeah, and I'm trying to just get in on the action, right? So mm. I just, just a quick tie in. Um, this I think relates back to the balance between our human choices hmm? her choice your choice and the systems within which we work right we are trained to be professionals that are neutral in some ways right that uh, you know i think that common workplace practice right at the forum at organizations that attend the forum uh is to and i might get some reaction from this uh, but just gonna say, choose a,
1: your words carefully.
3: I <laughs> know. Oh, keep a professional. What does that mean? Does that mean engage something in the moment? Maybe not. Right? Maybe let's keep the order smooth. Right? um I don't think that it's uh, a common workplace practice. It's not what we're taught in terms of what professional is to bring these things up in the moment to react to them in 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 a more diplomatic way or otherwise. Right? Uh, we're supposed to keep it going. We're supposed to you know prioritize what's important, we're supposed to depersonalize and not that those things are bad all in and of themselves, um, you know, and, and this bad good com that we can't get with that, but, but I think that the system teaches us also, right, systems in which we're working, systems in which people from the, uh, you know, that are coming to the forum on workplace inclusion are coming from, uh, they're taught to keep it moving. When I have been working internal in organizations, I have been taught and encouraged to keep it moving. This is not something that we talk about around here. That's not who we are as an organization.
1: I wouldn't say that's who we, a forum is as an organization. Okay. That, that is an awkward um, segue into the fact that we do need to keep it moving and get to our, to our last question because, um, we, you know, I want to get to this last question and don't want to um, run too much over time. But one of the things that I really liked about your webinar is that there was a, A mix of people in the room we did have some conservative voices present which was i thought really great um that they were there for that to you know hopefully they were there to learn um and but we did have one conservative voice uh robert who asked as a mild conservative i find that people leaning left can't talk about the issues but instead want to criticize trump um, I'm concerned with the u s policies regard- uh, i'm concerned with the u s policies regardless of who's in office so wh- how would you like what would you like to would you like to address that or what are your thoughts on that
2: Yes, well received uh, you know um, we are in strange reality we have this larger than life figure <laughs> you know politics and all the news uh, somehow around Trump and all that. Um, And I think we need to, whichever position we hold, right, left, uh, conservative, liberal, um, we are in the world of rapidly moving news cycle. Uh, Information is bombarding us. We are not reading articles anymore. We are reading headlines. We are, uh, there's so much information that our brain wants to narrow it down and we go to these sources and we go to that sources. Uh, I think that in this work that we're doing and if we want to really engage in political conversations, uh, with hope to get a quality conversation there. Uh, We need to keep educating ourselves. We need to expose ourselves to multiple uh, sources. We need to check out information. We need to, because our brain processes any fact, and there is a neuroscience behind this, that any fact is processed based on Uh, my uh, initial beliefs, this is right or this is wrong, I I run with it, I run against it, and we need to keep sorting that out. Am I making my judgment because I have information and I can put something uh, here uh, that helps the other person understand, or am I just kind of uh, Mm. pushing something aside because I don't agree with it? And that is a difficult, difficult, difficult space. You know, we are so polarized right now. We are so, we've been activated since 2016. <laughs> you
3: know, yeah. In yeah. it, you know,
2: mm-hmm. there's probably a technical term for the system that mm-hmm. hasn't been unplugged for, <laughs> for, that, for, that, for that long. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we
3: can date activation back to uh, when what is called the United States
2: was <laughs> <laughs> a different kind of activation. I was going to say we've been, been activated
1: about, for much longer
2: than twenty. Yeah. I'm talking about <laughs> Trump activated, you know. True, you know, but, but before that, we were Obama activated for eight years, mm. and everything that was uh, happening around the reality of the first black president.
3: Yeah, and. Again, a side note, I know we have to wrap up. And I was talking with my husband about this, I said, you know, yeah, we call him the first black president, right? And that, um, you know, in many ways, Obama has lived this culturally black experience, right? Um, And he is biracial, right? But we have this history in this country where if you are one drop of, Mm -hmm. you are black. It ties back to quadroon, octoroon, mulatto, right? And so, you know, before and in, in, in times of enslavement, we might have called someone with, with Obama's presentation one thing, and now we call him black president, first black president. Yeah. It's, it's complicated, right? <laughs> but <laughs> to get back to Robert's comment, thank you, Robert, for your comment. Robert says, um, like you said, Ben, he finds that people leaning left can't talk about the issues, but instead want to criticize Trump. And Robert says that he's concerned about policies regardless of who's in office it reminds me of the comment that tatiana read from william wells who said um that people have these fragile feelings right folks that don't get it don't want to get it maybe robert's feeling this too it goes both ways right i think that when we're having these quote-unquote progressive conversations about you know what the new normal will be right Um, there's not as much tolerance um, of diverse perspectives of conservative perspectives. And I don't use, I don't conflate those two, right? It depends on what conversation you're having and what the context is. Um, but yeah, we can't say that only, uh, conservatives are to respect (laughs) the more liberal views. No, we are all to respect each other's views, right? And be able to, um, open our minds in order to at least get, if you will, understand where someone is coming from. You yeah, I don't know that we lend each other that same benefit of the doubt. Uh, and I think that we need to because it's, it's about, you know, diversity is variety within the whole. Whether that's, you know, the political spectrum or the race spectrum or the gender spectrum or socio-economic or otherwise, right? And it takes all the parts of the whole to come to
2: this new normal. And with that, we just need to give a recognition to the fact that new normal is another triggering phrase for many people. Mm, yeah. And it brings up all kinds of questions. Normal, according to whose norm? Yeah? New, how new will it be? You know, whose opinions will be accounted and realities will be accounted for? Um, and no matter how we look at it, culture is this is how we do things here. So, how are we going to be creating this new normal or recreating the old normal uh, will be something that remains to be seen, hopefully. <laughs> there are so many lessons and so many teachable moments in the reality that we're living through right now that we will. Learn something.
3: (laughs) it's that individual agency. What choices will you make? What what chances will you take? Yeah, what changes will you make? I'm not trying to be a poet here.
1: (laughs) You're doing a great job
3: though. (laughs) Individual agency. So we can't look to the whole of the organization. The organization is you, right? We can't look to our team lead because that's a relationship, yeah? um again individual choices as we take collective action
1: oh, i th- can't think of a better way to end <laughs> than on that note uh thank you maylee and tatiana both so much for be- for joining us and for doing this, um, this follow-up conversation. It's just been such a great conversation and I've, I've learned a lot and I hope that you, our listeners, have learned something as well. Um, and thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Um, this podcast will be posted onto our website, um, workplaceinclusion.org slash podcast, but it's also available going to be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anchor so you can also listen to that this podcast and others um at those sites and if you'd like to learn more or continue the conversation with melee and tatiana please feel free to e- um, contact them via email at uh, diversity hot buttons at gmail.com or melee at engage between.com or, or tatiana at differences at gmail.com thank you again for listening we hope to have you join for future podcasts
0: Thank you again for listening to the Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get updates and the latest episodes. Also, tell us what you think by reviewing our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much and have a great day. The Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast is recorded at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of the most diverse private colleges in the Midwest, Augsburg University offers more than 50 undergraduate majors and 9 graduate degrees to 3,400 students of diverse backgrounds at its campus in the vibrant center of the Twin Cities and nearby Rochester, Minnesota location. Augsburg educates students to be informed citizens, thoughtful stewards, critical thinkers, and responsible leaders. In Augsburg education is defined by excellence in the local arts and professional studies, guided by the faith and values of the Lutheran Church, and shaped by its urban and global settings. Learn more at augsburg.edu.